0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sambicell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. All right, guys, I'm going to get right into it. A lot to get into today. I'm going to be talking about South by Southwest, joining hands with Amazon, Black Widow finds a new composer and a little bit more, and some major news regarding a whole bunch of film festivals and a whole lot of new release dates, That are coming for films down the pipeline this year and how it affects the release calendar in the future and the first studio that i'm going to start off with is the one that gave us the biggest bombshell in the last few hours and that is walt disney studios has decided to really upend the entire film slate of 2020 2021 and they were really the last studio that had a few films that were affected by the coronavirus as we all know has really upended society as a whole, not just in the United States, but around the world, shutting down theaters, studios, productions, and post-productions, also shutting down sporting venues, sporting events, concerts, everything that you can imagine, schools, colleges, everything is really shut down and everybody is in self-distancing mode. And in the world of Hollywood, really, and what a lot of people and pundits and journalists have been looking at that follow the studio system and what's going to happen is a lot of films that were supposed to come out in March. April, and even in May now were really scrapped from their initial release dates and have been undecided of where they're going to land. And over the last few weeks, a few studios have decided to put films, including Wonder Woman 84, decided to put their film that lays down on August, on August 14th, and also, they decided to push a few of their films to 2021. Same thing with Paramount as well. They they moved Top Gun, which I'll talk about in a little bit as well, but Disney made a lot of big changes. They had Mulan that was supposed to come out on March 20th, Black Widow that was supposed to come out... On May 1st and now they have brand new release dates and to start off I'll talk about the newest edition and the most recent edition that'll be coming out right now on July 24th will be Disney's Mulan taking the spot that was originally initially designed for Jungle Cruise with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt that movie will now be moved a year later from July 24th of 2020 to July 30th of 2021 and then Artemis Fowl which was slated to come out on March 25th for Memorial Day weekend is really just taking off the entire schedule release date calendar itself and moving not just for a theatrical debut but is moving to a streaming debut. It will be debuting on Disney+. Plus. This is the first major Disney film that will be going right to the Disney streaming platform that debuted on November 12th and over the last few weeks has been debuting around the world. And Artemis Fowl, it was a film that was supposed to come out in last year in may and then it got moved to this year and now because of what's happening with COVID 19 it has decided to put its release date for disney plus the release date has not been announced yet and will be announced at a later time and then the next big news that came out in terms of the details for disney was free guy which was a part of 20th century studio has been moved from july 3rd all the way to december coming out on december 11th of 2020 The French Dispatch, which was from Searchlight Pictures, has moved to October 16th, originally supposed to come out on July 14th, and even though it wasn't announced, more so than likely was going to follow the route of what Quentin Tarantino did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year, and debut at the Cannes Film Festival. We still don't know if that will happen or not. Cannes has not, the Cannes Film Festival has not put down a brand new release date as of right now, but it has not canceled its film festival either. Regardless, the French French Dispatch comes in at an awards-friendly. October 16th and then supposed to come out a a few years from now Indiana Jones 5 was slated to come out on July 19th of 2021 now we'll be moving a year later to July 29th of 2022 and Soul right now, Disney Pixar Soul is right now still keeping its initial release date of June twelfth, not moving whatsoever. And a few films that have no release date at this time period is the personal history of David Copperfield, Antlers, The Woman in the Window, and New Mutants have no release date at this time. And amongst the biggest news coming out of Disney is of course the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And basically what the MCU has done is they have basically hopscotched over one date than when they were initially supposed to come out. So for Black Widow, it was initially supposed to come out from May 1st, 2020. It has now been moved to November 6th of 2020, taking the spot from Eternals, which will now come out on February 12th, 2021, which was originally slated for Shang-Chi. But Shang-Chi now moves to May 7th, 2021, which was supposed to be the debut of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness will now come out on November 5th of 2021 which initially was supposed to come out for Thor, Love, and Thunder, and now Thor, Love, and Thunder will come out on February 18th of 2022, and that is the end of the the hopscotching, the, the pushing forward for all of these films. But with there's two other MCU films that are slated to come out in 2022 as well. Black Panther 2, which was announced for May 8th of 2022, is still on that date, will open up the, the summer movie season of that year. And another announcement that came out was there was an untitled Marvel Studios film that was supposed to come out at the end of July, but it has now been announced to move up to July 8th of 2022. And that film now has a title or a a, a title, Pending a, a brand new title, and that is Captain Marvel two will be coming out in the summer of 2022, and that is really the end of the major news announcements for Disney coming out with their release date calendar. Again, a lot of mo- new excuse me, a lot of moves that are happening right now in terms of a lot of. Of chessboard moves that are happening for Disney right now in terms of where all these films are ending up right now and how it really changes the landscape of the movie-going business right now when it comes to 2020 and for the future as a lot of these films are moving months and years away from when they were initially supposed to come out and that is a large part because of not just the release dates of these films that some stuff to go through post-production or in the case of even a Mulan or even a a a Black Widow in the case that they just have some a little bit more post-production to do and just need to get out there in the movie world and into the theaters but when it comes to Jungle Cruise when it comes to the end of Artemis Fowl or for Shang-Chi Doctor Strange they're just starting off or almost going to start off principal photography. And they're going to need some time whenever this ends to get back and finish their shoots because productions and post-productions have stopped on a lot of films as well. And Disney insiders have said that these release dates could be moved in the future and that really that these films can move if needed. And specifically I think that means for what's happening with Mulan because really Mulan is the first big indication that, what it seems that studios are looking at right now is they're hoping that by whether it's the middle or end of July, that the theaters are somehow, some way, if it's not even a hundred percent capacity, but even at fifty percent capacity, are back up and running in some kind of fashion. And Disney is eyeing that the end of July to be that kind of date. And I think that is where the tentative release schedule is happening for mulan right now where they could say right now we're holding that film down for july 24th but it could move somewhere down the line whether it's for 2020 or for 2021 because i think for disney the big thing with mulan is the fact that they're really going to want this film to appeal worldwide that has always been the function of this movie is not just to appeal to the United States audience, but also to appeal to specifically the Chinese audience. They really made this to make a big break within the Chinese box office, which has become one of the biggest box office recipients in the last few years. When you look at Avengers Endgame, I always say, and you could quote a lot of other people on this too, that Avengers Endgame would not be the... the Highest-grossing film of all time if it was not for the Chinese box office. It wouldn't have even cracked over a billion dollars at opening weekend at the box office if if it wasn't for that Chinese audience that came out in droves. It did great here in the United States, of course, grossing $357 million in its opening weekend, but that Chinese box office is essential in today's day and age when it comes to the theatrical experience and theatrical movie going that it's really been a worldwide appeal. Mulan was really tracking really well, at least here in the States, for eighty to $90 million when the Chinese box office in China was really at its peak of, of shutting everything down. And I think Mulan, before all of this COVID-19 was happening, was slated to potentially be a billion-dollar hit at the box office. And so I think Disney is going to see where not just the United States box office is, but also maybe where the Chinese box office is. And they might still employ the same strategy that they were going to do before the United States really went down with COVID-19, which is to release it here in the States and to a few other countries. And then once China's back up and running, release it to the Chinese audience because they really went through their marketing campaign, but now they're going to have to add in a few extra dollars to really just ramp it back up once again. They've had some premieres already. They might have an, an additional one, not just for screening, but to get people aware of this movie. And it could be one of the first few ones to get people back into the theaters, such as what Wonder Woman 1984 is trying to do with coming out in the middle of August as well. So Mulan is that first step in seeing that maybe the theaters could be open in the end of July. Again, it's hefty, and I think it's one of the reasons why Disney insiders are saying that these release dates could be moved in the future because, say, if Mulan doesn't come out in July, it could still maybe come out in... Uh, September, I always believe, which I'll talk about in a little bit with The Quiet Place, it moved to September, and maybe Mulan can do that exact same thing as well, and moving towards the middle and end of September, because there's not really a huge box office film that's coming out in that release date as of right now, and or until a few hours ago when, when Candyman was announced to be moved to, but I'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But Mulan could move if it needs to down the road. And the same thing for a lot of these movies, I think that's why when you saw these films move that there was there, there was a reason for the sur- Strategic movement of all these films and a statement from Nikki Cairo who is the director of Mulan she said on Twitter hello all the world's the words loyal brave and true have never meant more to me than they do now in this time I am very moved today to be able to announce that the new release date for our movie is July 24 2020 once it is again safe to gather to sit in a movie theater together and share the experience of a great story we will be there and we can't wait to share mulan's journey with you all worldwide on big screens and the same thing is going to apply for a lot of these films i'm talking about minus artemis Fowl, the mcu jungle cruise mulan there was no way in hell that disney was going to release these films on streaming there's too much top dollar bottom line in there for the theaters when it comes to these movies and for the studios again i talked about mulan being a potential billion dollar hit the mcu movies are not all of them are bona fide billion dollar hits but some of these films have the potential to be billion dollar hits at the box office and that's just a bottom line for them soul has the potential to be a huge smash for pixar jungle cruise with the stars of emily blunt and dwayne the rock johnson involved you can't count that out being a smash at the box office and earning more dollars in theaters than you would on streaming. And I'm sure Disney wants to get Disney Plus out there for more people, but they don't want to compromise the dollars that they'll make theatrically than they would on the streaming, which is really their bread and butter or one of their bread and butters right now. And then moving to the the, the overall thoughts on the MCU, it's no surprise that this is the way that they were going to go, that if Black Widow couldn't find a release date in the summertime, if it couldn't find it in the beginning of the fall. It wasn't really going to move into October. It was going to probably take the eternal spot and everything would push forward, and that's exactly what happened. There's really no surprise to that. It. I think the big question becomes what happens to the Disney Plus shows because I've said over the last few episodes of the podcast, the MCU, I, I don't think people have noticed until now really how finite, how detail-oriented the release calendar is for these MCU films. There's a reason to everything that Kevin Feige does, and there's a particular order that he wants to go in in telling these films. That's why whenever I have an MCU marathon, I don't really go by the chronological order of Captain America would go first or Captain Marvel would go second. I go by the release calendar. I would always watch Iron Man and then Incredible Hulk, then Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America the First Avenger. I would watch it in the release date window that it was shown in because that's really the way that Kevin Feige released it and I think that's there are story elements in each one of those movies that pertain so Black Widow might connect to something Doctor Strange or might connect to something in Shane Chi or Eternals that would benefit the next movie and I think a, a bigger question becomes because even though Disney announced all these new changes to their theatrical slate and they announced Artemis foul for Disney+. and Nothing has been said about the Disney Plus show, specifically for the MCU. And the question becomes, what's going to happen with Falcon and the Winter Soldier? What's going to happen to WandaVision? Are those shows going to move? Because it, maybe those shows have links to the movies as well, especially with WandaVision. Now that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is coming out on November 5th, is WandaVision going to move to the summertime of 2021 or even September of 2021 instead of coming out in December now of 2020? Is that going to move? Is Falcon and the Winter Soldier going to move? I think especially because Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they haven't, they stalled production. They only had a few weeks left of production that they still might have to work on. So what's going to happen with that? Are those shows going to be moved because of the the connections that especially WandaVision will have with Doctor Strange and what's going to happen with Loki? So I think all those questions still need to be answered and i'm sure will be answered in the next few weeks i think right now for a lot of these studios they are focusing more on the theatrical window of when they see targeted release dates for these films to come out and predicting where the theaters might open back up again so i think those are really the questions to come out with the mcu and i think also when it comes to to black widow i like the fact that thinking about it now and again just to find silver linings in this horrible situation with COVID 19 When it comes to Black Widow, the fact that this could potentially be Scarlett Johansson's last hurrah as the role of Natasha Romanoff, giving her the entire year or giving her the last half of 2020 to market that film as potentially being her last film and giving her that honor, even though... Endgame had Captain Marvel before it and Spider-Man Far From Home. It really was about this last hurrah for the Avengers. So giving Black Widow that extensive time, I think would be really, really cool. And another thing too that I didn't mention is Spider-Man 3 is still slated for July. And the reason it's still slated for July is that even though Marvel Studios has a creative input and is, is a creative force behind those movies, it's still a Sony movie. So Sony takes in a large large portion of the box office. Even with the new deal, it's a little bit more split now between the two studios. But in terms of marketing and strategy, it still belongs to Sony. So right now, Sony Pictures still has that slated for July. And I guess they talk to Sony and it doesn't matter that Spider-Man still has that July release date in the summer of of 2021 right now. And the fact that Marvel right now, I I guess they feel confident in Shang-Chi enough that it's going to open the summer movie season of 2021 right now, and what was supposed to be Doctor Strange 2, a, a character that people have been familiar with from his first film that came out in 2016, and people that got to see him more in Avengers, Endgame, and Infinity War, you have probably have more confidence in that character, but I guess they are confident in the brand of Marvel Studios and in the fact that even if this is a new character— They've experienced this enough that they can go out and, and they feel confident enough that people will come out for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And Thor Love and Thunder was supposed to come out in November. February 18th, a different a different slate for Thor, but I think given what Black Panther was able to do, I think Thor Love and Thunder will still find a lot of love at that spot. And Black Panther 2, again, I think the fact that Marvel is able to keep that day for Black Panther 2, they know the moneymaker, they know what they have in that franchise that... I think they wanted to keep it there, and I guess they really do have a lot of confidence in Captain Marvel as well, the fact that putting it in that July 8th slot, and made over a billion dollars in March last year, they have confidence that people love this franchise enough, despite what I thought, and some people might have thought of the actual film, there was still a lot of love around it in terms of the dollar amount that people went to go see this film and liked it as it made over a billion dollars, so a lot to look at with the MCU slate, and that's not even... Scratching through the thin ice. Those are the major ones that come out, but we talk about Artemis Fowl. That is a big news headliner, and the fact that kind of what Universal, NBC Universal, is doing right now with. Trolls World Tour, they're putting that out on, on VOD on streaming for people to watch on April 10th because of the circumstances, of the theater's shutting down. But they moved their big moneymaker, Universal, with F9, the Fast Saga, moving to April 2nd of 2021. So instead of moving Trolls World Tour, they're they're keeping it at its date and just putting on VOD. And Disney is doing the same thing with Artemis Fowl right now. And I think that is very interesting, the fact that you already delayed it once from 2019 to 2021 why not just do it again? Maybe they don't feel that it it can do well enough that that this was its spot this summer to really do something and they don't feel confident enough in it to go up against... some other film in 2021 or in the latter half of 2020 if they really wanted to put it there looking at the march calendar or excuse me not the march but the may calendar of 2021 you look at shang chi which is marvel disney they're not going to want anything to, to come against that and right now still on may 21st you have the matrix 4 and john wickford two keanu reeves films coming out on that date and on on may 28th right now cruella with emma stone is still coming out so i think this was the shot for Artemis Fowl to come out without really rearranging more than they really had to. So I wonder if, if the theaters are really down on this. Like they said with Trolls World Tour, they they said with the Universal, they, they wouldn't forget about that, about that move. Are they going to do the same thing with Disney, with Artemis Fowl? Because this is a major, major film. This isn't like it's a mid-level budgeted film. This has major special effects. It's directed by a well-known directing actor, Kenneth Branagh, who's done very good movies, for Disney and outside of Disney. It has Judy Dench. It has Colin Farrell. This is a major film that isn't getting the same thing that Onward had where it came out in theaters, but because of COVID-19 and the theater shutting down, it had to come out on Disney Plus and streaming, which it's out on Disney Plus today. It's going straight to Disney Plus. So I think that is a big story to really follow up on and see how that really changes Hollywood and the fact that Disney is trusting itself with disney plus right now and and you also have to take into account that it's extenuating circumstances at this point where you don't want to really blow up your release calendar moving forward than you already have and so i think for disney it's just extenuating circumstances that they need to put this out but it'll be interesting to see what happens with this movie when it does debut on disney plus and then moving on to a, a film that didn't have any moves happen, and one of those films was Soul. It still has its June 12th release calendar date right now. It's still set for the summer movie season, and I don't know why they didn't move it with these other announcements. Maybe they see that they don't want to move it anywhere right now, that they don't want to move it to November. They don't want to move it to the fall time of this year. They don't want to move it to 2021. I think maybe they're trying to see what they can do with Soul right now because— Without a doubt, I don't think the theaters, if, if this is any indication for all the studios that have done what they've done over the last week or two, that theaters will not be open by June at all. And I think Seoul is just there to be there right now. I think Disney is still trying to figure out where they want to put it. If I was in their situation right now, I think I would stick it to the summertime of next year and see what happens. I think... Kind of like what they're what they're doing with Jungle Cruise, where that is a very summer-oriented film that it, it, it can't you could put it out for Christmas time, but as I'll talk about in a little bit, the, the Christmas time release schedule is getting a little bit crowded right now, and and I don't think they can put that there. But I def, this definitely is a summer film that it just has that feel of a summer movie season film that would really just benefit from it having that kind of time allotted slot in July with The Rock and Emily Blunt, and it just works in in, in that kind of favor. But with Seoul, I think, because what we've seen with Onward, and even with COVID, with, with it or without it, it, it didn't do well in the States. Because when it came out in the beginning of March, COVID-19 didn't have a big impact in the U.S. as it does right now, and it, as it has over the last few weeks. It didn't have that big popularity aspect to it. So I think for Seoul, they should... Put it in the in in a summer crowd, and if you can't do it this summer, just put it out next summer and see what happens. When you look at the release calendar for next year, you look at you look at June. You have June eleventh. You have Jurassic World three. Then on June twenty fifth, you have the Batman. Right now, you could theoretically put it in the beginning of June, in in that first week of June, as Wonder Woman eighty four was going to do as well. You can share the spotlight, and you can be that demographic for Kids and families that maybe uh, it, it's Jurassic World 3, Jurassic World Dominion, as it's called, and the Batman are too mature for young kids. And before Minions comes out in July, you have that full month slate to come out in the beginning of June and have that dollar amount for that demographic. So I think it's it's better to have Soul come out that next year than it would to have it come out anytime this year. That's not a summer release date. I think right now Disney wants to move on to at least theoretically right now have that release date of July. And the same thing for Free Guy, where it was supposed to come out in this this year in July 3rd, but it moved to December 11th. And it's not a Disney Studios film, but it's a 20th Century Studios film. But I think the fact that you can get Ryan Reynolds to go up against Tom Cruise, and the fact that also it'll be going up against itself, really, because a few days later, not even a week later, December 18th, you have West Side Story coming out, and so I'm surprised a little bit that Free Guy is coming out on December 11th. I guess Disney has enough confidence that it's two completely different films that they'll get the demographics that they want to get for Free Guy going to the movies when they need to, and they'll get the hardcore musical fanatics that need a craving for musicals, especially now that In the Heights probably might not be coming out this summer and potentially might not be coming out this year at all. So I think they're looking for maybe to get Kill Two Birds in One Stone with the Free Guy and West Side Story. And for The French Dispatch, which was supposed to come out on July 14th, and like I was saying at the top, I definitely think that even though it wasn't announced yet, that it was probably going to make its debut at the Cannes International Film Festival, which is kind of like what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did last year where it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival. And then it came out on July 24th and made made really good money. Now, I don't know if, if... the French Dispatch would have made that kind of money, but it definitely, I think, could have started to kick off its Oscar campaign like Once Upon a Time did. And but it moves to October 16th, which again, we don't know what's gonna happen with the Cannes Film Festival. And either way, I definitely think that the French Dispatch has a little bit more of a friendlier Oscar window now coming out on October 16th, shortens that window up a little bit more for it and gets it to campaign when it'll still be fresh in everybody's minds, when maybe it might not have had that freshness when it came out in, in July it maybe didn't have the stamina that something like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood definitely did from its time when it came out in July to to Oscar season. So it definitely plays out as a, as a friendlier window for The French Dispatch. And that's the that's all the news that really came out regarding the Disney slate. And that was a major bombshell that I was basically all done typing my notes when Disney just decided to, I I see Twitter notifications come out, and it's Free Guys moving, Bob's Burgers is moving, and then all of a sudden Hollywood Reporter, Variety, all these different sites start to announce just a slew of release dates that are moving for Disney. So this is definitely an indication that studios are looking at the end of the summer to really maybe see that the light could be at the end of the tunnel. And, And I think right now this gives... Theater goers, this gives potential movie theater, this gives NATO, this gives a lot of people some slimmer of hope, some slimmer of a light at the end of the tunnel that they at least say we have, even if it's the basis of, of theoretical projections that they think this could all kind of start to plateau a little bit by the middle and end of July into August and that we could have some resemblance of normalcy by the end of the summer into the fall time. And it, Paramount and Universal did the exact same thing. Paramount moved SpongeBob, uh, SpongeBob the movie to July 31st of this year. A Quiet Place Part Two moved, was one of the first ones to announce that it was delaying its release date of March 20th. And is now deciding to come out on September 4th of 2020, which it will come out Labor Day weekend. It will go up against The Beatles Get Back, which is from Disney. It picked up that film, Monster Hunter which was done by Sony so a quiet place part 2 has that September window right now and we'll have at least right now a few weeks and again if if July doesn't work out for mulan I have no doubt that I think that the the September window could be a place for for Mulan to really shine in even though candyman took that spot of September 25th moving from June 12th And right now, that window date at the end of September, which a major film could potentially come out, but there's a few films that are coming out. Candyman is going to be one of them, which is produced by Jordan Peele from the 92 cult classic. And you also have Trials of the Chicago 7, which is an air Sorkin film. The Many Saints of Newark is also coming out, which is a prequel film of the classic HBO television show that changed television, The Sopranos from James Gandolfini And you also have Last Night of Soho, which is an Edgar Wright film, which I'm going to talk about Edgar Wright in a little bit. But you also have Top Gun Maverick moving its release date as well from December 23rd, Uh, excuse me, it's moving to to December 23rd away from the June 24th release date. And that's a a smart release date for it as that could be the big Christmas film that I thought maybe West Side Story could be or maybe Free Guy could be as well. But it seems like Paramount has a lot of confidence that they can – And they can capitalize on a spot that over the years has been triumphant with the Star Wars movies from The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, that Aquaman capitalized on in 2018 when when Solo A Star Wars Story came out in May instead of December. Aquaman capitalized it, and in the end, it didn't start out strong, but in the end of its run, Aquaman was the first and only DCEU film to gross over a billion dollars at the box office. So that Christmas slate has become a sweet spot for a lot of big production films, and it seems like Paramount has a lot of confidence in Tom Cruise, that his star power can capitalize and get a lot of people into the theaters during that time period. It has a $150 million budget, and also, because Mission Impossible 7 has the latest production, Tom Cruise can shoot MI7 and MI8, which is shooting back-to-back, at the same time while still promoting top gun and tom cruise even came out with a tweet saying i know many of you have waited 34 years unfortunately it will be a little longer top gun maverick will fly the, fly this december stay safe everyone and that's all that he's had to say in the tweet but it's going up against coming to america tom and jerry west side story dune free guy now that paramount has a lot of confidence that it could come out victorious in what kind of was a little bit of a weaker slate to begin to, uh, the December of 2020 with Dune which again I think is going to be great I have no doubt it's going to be fantastic but kind of like what happened with Blade Runner 2049 a lot of people think that's what's going to happen with Dune and the fact that Denis Villeneuve created a masterpiece of a movie in Blade Runner but it didn't respond to a lot of audience members as it bombed at the box office and people are suspecting that's exactly what's going to happen with Dune as well. Great movie, but doesn't get people in the seats at the theaters. And West Side Story, I think, that could have, and it still could break out and be that big musical film of the year, definitely, of December of the holidays, kind of like what Greatest Showman did a few years ago. But I'm sure Disney's hoping to add a little bit more to that because of the popularity of the name and the fact that it's got a great cast and it's a well-known film. It's an Academy Award-winning film classic musical, classic film. Steven Spielberg, a great director attached to it. I'm sure that's exactly what they're looking for with West Side Story. And then, of course, Universal moved some of their films around as well. Minions, which is supposed to come out July of this year, is coming out July 2nd, 2021 of next year. And Sing 2, which was supposed to come out on that new date that Minions now has, is coming out on December 22nd, 2021, which was supposed to be taken in by Wicked, which is based off of the hit Broadway musical, but that is now coming out indefinitely. So a lot of these films are, and studios are, are moving the, these films around right now, and I think they see right now The Endgame coming in at around the fall time, and that's why they're putting a lot of these films at around that time right now. The only two major summer films that are left right now when we look at it are Tenet and, and Soul right now. Really, when, when, when you look at it, Soul is the, is the last film that that is still in June, and the Purge Five is still there. But I'm sure that'll be moved. and And Warner Brothers is still holding out for Tenant right now. I think Warner Brothers is really holding on to that storyline right now. That everything will be good, will be coming back. Because again, when we come back from the summer and even into the fall, nothing will be a hundred percent right now. Everything's gonna have to come back in waves, and, and it's gonna it's gonna depend on how people are reacting, how their mentality is going to be when they come back from what has happened with all this. Are they going to feel safe going out to public venues? Especially with theaters, you're crammed into a room with people. Are you going to feel safe enough to be with your friends, but be with strangers as well that I've always been. I remember being in theaters a lot, even just a few a month ago, really. And, and, and two months ago where people were coughing or sneezing, and it wasn't like they were intentionally doing that. They just had a cough and sneeze, but are people going to feel safe and, and hope that they don't catch anything with that? And So I think that's the mindset that you're going to have in these next few months with people going back into public places once again. That goes for restaurants, for bars, for sporting events. That goes for everywhere. And, I, and I'm sure that right now we're in a, we're in a, a state of self-isolation. Is that going to continue once everything is lifted by the states and by the federal government? And So I think those are the big questions right now. But I think studios see the theoretical projections that they want to make right now with Disney hoping that Mulan becomes that first film for them right out of the gate. You still have Wonder Woman coming out on August 14th. Like I said, Bill and Ted: Face of Music is still coming out on August 21st. Quiet Place Part 2 is still going to be that fall movie release date right now. And Kingsman is still coming out on September 18th. I thought that could have been a date that maybe Soul takes that position. Maybe Soul takes the Kingsman spot and Kingsman gets delayed to 2021 or or beyond. I wouldn't be surprised by that as well. Death on the Nile is still coming out in October. That could be another date where if Disney wants to capitalize on the, the Halloween, even though Soul isn't a Halloween film and doesn't have aspects of it, you could still capitalize on that demographic. Halloween Kills is still set for October 16th. You have Black Widow now set for November 6th. And November is going to be tight november i november is going to be a death row for major blockbusters that are coming out and same thing is going to happen in december as well but going to november black widow right now godzilla versus kong is still coming out on november 20th no time to die the final film for daniel craig portraying james bond it was supposed to come out really a week from today on April 10th is when No Time to Guy was supposed to come out here in the United States of America, and it was one of the first ones, really really the first one, to see some writings on the wall and move its release date to November. So that's coming out, and that has a potential to be a billion-dollar success. Raya and the Last Dragon is still set. It's a Disney animated film, still set for November 25th to capitalize on that Thanksgiving slot that Frozen 2 has capitalized on, that a lot of Disney animated films have capitalized on over the last few years. Free Guy opens up December. Dune is going to come out the same day as Coming to America 2 with Eddie Murphy, which is a popular film from the 80s. We have West Side Story coming out on the 18th, Then Top Gun Maverick closes out the year with, with, with on December 23rd. And then, of course, you still have 2021 in which Peter Rabbit has inserted itself from 2020. Eternals has now done that. Ghostbusters, Morbius from Sony. You still have Fast 9 coming out on April 2nd. And then you have a death row in the summer movie season. Shang-Chi. It's, you, you worry about the name brand itself, but because of Marvel Studios, you don't really worry about it. Like I said, in Matrix 4, John Wick 4, Keanu Reeves double feature on that specific weekend. Cruella is could be another hit for Disney, potentially. Jurassic World 3, The Batman ends out June, and then you have Minions, The Rise of Gru, Space Jam, and Spider-Man 3 come out that same weekend in July. That same weekend, Space Jam 2, LeBron James, The Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, different film for a different demographic and then of course the billion dollar hit from last year following up with spider-man 3 then the following weekend you have mission impossible 7 which was a huge hit when it came out in 2018 jungle cruise comes out the next weekend the suicide squad a dc film from a property in 2016, grossed over $800 million at the box office, is directed by a very well-renowned director in James Gunn who directed Guardians of the Galaxy, especially after everything that happened to him. People are going to probably want to support him in this. Uncharted is a little iffy with Tom Holland and Sony. You don't know what that's going to happen on October 8th. Nothing comes out in September of that year right now, but you get the ending of this trilogy of Halloween films that's coming out. You have Doctor Strange coming out November 5th, Fantastic Beasts 3, Dungeons & Dragons in November, and then Avatar 2 comes out on December 17th, and then you have on the 22nd right now three major films, Black Adam with The Rock, Hotel Transylvania 4, and then Sherlock Holmes 3 with Robert Downey Jr. right now set for 2021. And then right now for 2022, you have Thor Love and Thunder, Minecraft coming out on March 4th as of right now, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, which was such a huge hit when it came out in 2018 at the end, won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, labeled as the best Spider-Man film to come out overall. You have Black Panther 2, a billion-dollar cultural phenomenon from 2018, was it the first film to be nominated for Best Picture in terms of the superhero genre. Right now, the Flash from Ezra Miller is still set to come out on July first. You have the next week, Captain Marvel two, Indiana Jones five coming out on July twenty twenty ninth. Then the next Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible eight, is set for August fifth. Then you have Aquaman, and as of right now, a Star Wars film coming out on on December twelfth, or excuse me, September December sixteenth in twenty twenty two. So some of these films I think might get moved, but because of everything that has happened, it's just it, it alters everything with with what is going to come out next year and really the year after. And, and, I, and I, I'm i sure that next Star Wars film, whatever happens with it, Aquaman 2, they're not going to come out on the same exact day. That would be suicide for one of those films, if not both of those films, because they're going to they're gonna divide the fandom that both of them really do represent. And then, by the way, you still have In the Heights, which again, I said a few days ago, is a potential billion dollar hit if it comes out in the summertime and it and when it was supposed to come out this year in the summer on june 26 that would have been a potential billion dollar film it was going to make so much money at the box office and be a culture phenomenon i still think it has that chance to be that and if it comes out sometime in july or sometime next year which i still think it will and it comes out in the summertime because it is a summer film i don't think this film would hit the same way if it came out in October. Maybe September might have a shot of doing that, but I definitely think that if it comes out in June, July, it has a better shot because it is that kind of film. Scoob from Warner Brothers Animation still has it still needs to come out as well, and that could be a potential hit at the box office. Not a billion-dollar hit, but a modest hit because of the brand that Scooby-Doo is. Then New Mutants, which out of all this news that came out with Disney and all these release films... I felt so bad for Scooby—not uh, Scooby-Doo, but I felt bad for New Mutants because Artemis Fowl is a film that, again, I said was supposed to come out last year, supposed to come out this year, and now it's just being moved to Disney+. Plus. I don't know when we're going to see New Mutants. I don't even know if New Mutants is going to see the light of day, whenever it, it, it might see the light of day. I just think you should just put that on streaming. And, and the one thing is that I say, I, I never thought Mulan was going to make streaming. I never thought Black Widow was going to make streaming. But I do think— new mutants has a shot to be in a, some kind of streaming game just to put it out there because again i've said i've heard from people that have watched this movie that have seen cuts of this movie it is not good from what i've heard that it it is it is an awful film and that disney's just gonna put it out there kind of like what they would they did with dark phoenix it was already in in the can it it it, it, it had a big budget and this one doesn't have the same kind of big budget that dark phoenix did but it still has a modest budget that they want to put out there. It's still associated with the X-Men franchise that they just want to put it out there. I just say, put it on Hulu. Just put it somewhere so people can see this movie because people, I think, just want to watch it to see what it is. And I agree with them. Spiral is a film that I think can come out whenever it needs to come out, October or September, which September and October are very horror-filled months so far this year that you could maybe put it out there. And Woman in the Window, Melingent. Greyhound smaller films that you don't know where Disney is going to put those films because most of them are associated with 20th century studios so again just there's a lot left to be answered and there's still a lot of questions to come out of this and there could still be some more announcements coming out because again Mulan could be moved the, the governments could come out and say listen this thing isn't going to end until August or September and then Mulan moves, Tenet moves, Wonder Woman moves, and then we're on th- this train again, seeing we're playing th- this game of Tetris and chess, of seeing where all these films are going to land right now, and some of them still need to land somewhere, so I, I, it's just, it's it, it's a ever-revolving door right now, and again, it's day by day, hour by hour, month by month, week by week, that all of this is changing around us right now, and again, just to keep practicing those those social distancing and, and, and doing the best that you can right now. And I, I think that's the thing that is going to make everything better in the long run for all this. And again, it's it's going to be a, a future where AMC is is furloughing investors and, and they could be going under right now and are probably going to be picked up by somebody just because they can't stay out of business for long. And, and that goes for a lot of theaters, whether they're major or independent theaters. And the same thing just goes for a lot of companies that right now, I think, with everything going on, just people need to do their part right now, and and we'll get through this one way or another. And I think at least if you're a movie fan and, and you follow this stuff, at least it, it gives you some semblance of a hope that hopefully this maybe does end by July or August and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think this news with Disney announcing these movies coming out when they do and the major release changes it made, that there is a plan for it and that there is some light. At the end of the tunnel through all of this no matter what what do you all think about the changes made by disney by paramount by universal what do you think of the release date calendar that yeah, you can check out on fandango eric davis and fandango have done such a great job of whenever there's a new release a release and they did it today where they were just changing it non-stop of things that are coming out still this year next year and in 2020 as well and, and films that still need to be, to be put out there i highly recommend going on there and checking out and seeing what films are coming out when and seeing the stacked year that 2020 and 2021 are going to end up being right now. What do you guys think about all this? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts on on all uh, that is going on right now. Now to move on to some news in terms of casting and, and new projects in development and one of them is from a director that i just talked about and that is from edgar wright he has been set to direct a brand new film called set my heart to five it's going to be produced by a working title and focus features which have are working with edgar wright right now for his new film that's supposed to come out this year the last night in soho which is a horror thriller and this new upcoming film that he's going to be producing directing is based off of a book by simon stevenson and, and the story of it basically goes. It's set in an all-too-human 2054 and follows Jared, an android that works as a dentist as he as he undergoes an emotional awakening that is sparked by an introduction to 80s and 90s movies. He then embarks on a quest to convince humans that he and his kind should be permitted to feel. It's a quest that leads to an unforgettable adventure across the West Coast of America, determined to meet the programmer that created him and write a film script that will change the world. And to me... what when I read the synopsis for this film, it's perfectly made for Edgar Wright to create. Kind of like how this reminds me of like a, a Ready Player One meets Chappie kind of feel where Chappie was an F eh film, but it, but it dealt with the, the reawakening and, and how robots feel and, and how they can be emotional. And Ready Player One was about future dystopia, but it, it really referenced a lot of 80s culture it was perfectly made for steven's which he did a really good job with that film i thought it was it was really good and with with this film it is right up edgar wright's wheelhouse kind of like what he did with baby driver and which he incorporated this incredible soundtrack to the film and, and the music became a part of the the character itself really and became a part of the movie and kind of like with this film instead of it being music it's gonna be pop culture 80s 90s helps this character this this being this robot become more human and i'm sure there'll be an underlying underlining of how movies can make you feel something even if you're a robot or a human being and the fact that it's about films and it's this journey it's it's totally tailor-made for Edgar Wright to create and i'm excited to see what he does with this project i'm sure he's going to be writing it or really he, it's not an original film but i'm sure he'll adapt this story very well and it's a film it's a book that hasn't come out yet I mean soon but I, it sounds like something that I definitely want to pick up and read and see what Edgar Wright does with this and how he creates this world and pays homage to the 80s and 90s, which was a golden era in film, really, when you look at a lot of films that came out during those time periods. That was tailor-made for James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, and and was something that, that was an incredible, credible time period for films at the time. So definitely one that I'm looking forward to, and I'm excited for it. And, and, and I'm a fan of Edgar Wright. I, I really, really loved Baby Driver, and, and what he did with that film was different. It was a, it was a heist film, but had a different style to it and, and was his old, only original film and had vibes of heat to it, but at the same time was a different creation with music. It, it was great, so I'm excited to see what he does with Set My Heart to Five. What do you guys think about Edgar Wright creating, adapting this book into a film? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Moving back to the MCU, not to talk about release date, but to talk about some of the actual films themselves, and the one that I'm going to be talking about is Black Widow, which, again, just had its release date moved from May 1st to November 6th of 2020. And if you go on Twitter now, if you go on the Marvel Studios Twitter site and Disney sites, they just updated the, the poster that came out at the beginning of the month when they released the final trailer for Black Widow when it was still set for May. They just, they 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 digitally erased the May 1st and added November 6th on there to make it official on the, the, the same poster, but just added the brand new release date. And... A lot of magazines have been coming out for Black Widow because I'm sure Total Film Empire just had magazine covers and details regarding the new Black Widow film. And it's probably been set for a few months now that that was going to be what was going to come out during that time period because the market is going to probably start ramping up. I'm sure whether it was this week or next week, tickets would have been on sale for Black Widow since I would on May 1st, that this was really going to be the start of the ramp up for Black Widow. And Scarlett Johansson in this article for Total Film talks about the tone of Black Widow and kind of harkens back to the themes that makes Marvel films so great and talks about how Black Widow is a family film. And she says, and I quote, One of the themes of the film is family. What is family? How does it define us? How does our past define us? How does our family, however we find it, make up who we are for better or worse? I think part of Kevin Feige's genius is that he always thinks about what fans expect out of these films and then gives them something that they never could have dreamed of. The idea of Natasha Romanoff in a family drama is the least expected thing, and I had my head around what was going on, what, what, what that was going to be, because there's such a big tonal shift. I think from the very beginning when we first started talking about doing standalone film, there was no reason to do it unless we could really dig deep and be brave and good. there. Continues, Johansson. Having played this character for a decade, I wanted to make sure that I could feel artistically and creatively rewarded for me, as well as the fans. And I love how she talks about how that she wanted to go another mile with the, with this Black Widow character. And when we when we know Natasha Romanoff, she's always talked about family and uh, with the Avengers and how that really became her family. But there was other families before her with the KGB and the Black Widow program. And one of the things, again, that Kevin Feige has done so well with Marvel Studios and I think has really made it stand out above everything else is how it changed superhero films in the way that you institute genres into these comic book films. It really all started out with Captain America, The Winter Soldier, a, a spy conspiracy film set in the 70s inspired by 70s films such as Three Days of Candor and then Guardians of the Galaxy being the Star Wars space soap opera. Same thing with Ant-Man being a heist film. You have Thor Ragnarok being this space adventure kind of family drama film, and then of course with Avengers Endgame and event and Avengers Infinity War being these kind of heist films in different aspects, and Spider-Man: Homecoming being a John Hughes coming of age story. So Marvel Studios has really done a great job of letting, of of doing different genre films and and picking the right directors to do that. And it seems like he does the exact same thing with Black Widow here and creating a family dynamic film, a dysfunctional family dynamic with Red Guardian played by David Harbour and two other Black Widows in, in Rachel Weiss's character and Florence Pugh's character. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see and, and continue that trend of, of what makes Marvel Studios, I think, great and stand out above just being this great epic cinematic universe and the fact that with these smaller films, they really do stand out on their own and you can find different aspects to love about all of them. And I think that's what... That's one of the things that has made the MCU such a grand success over the years. And talking, also talking about Black Widow, Alexander Desplat, who is a very well-renowned composer, has is being replaced for the film by Lauren Boff, who has done the score for films such as Mission Impossible, Fallout, and he is this is this is a composer that I've heard of the Mission Impossible Fallout score in. I really, really love it. I, I love especially that rooftop sequence between Henry Cavale and Tom Cruise, and the music adds this different kind of suspense to it that I really enjoyed. And I, again, if they got Alexander Despot to do this, then on um, then it's that that's that's perfect. But maybe now that especially that they have the time now that this film's coming out November 6th they have the time to do something different with it and to do maybe to to add some more sp- spice spice flavor to it that maybe they just weren't getting with Alexander Desplat's score which again not to not to to not not to talk, talk down about Alexander Desplat he is a one of the best composers in the game right now next to the likes of ahan zimmer really so uh, but i guess maybe they just didn't feel like that was the way they wanted to go and specifically now that they have the time once they're able to go back to the studios and and finish post production and lock picture and they can go back and and finish the the score and add whatever they need to tweak it a little bit and do what they need to do to make this film as perfect as it needs to be when it comes out in theaters on november 6th what do you guys think about this about the news of the tone for black widow and the themes that it's trying to Excuse me go for let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Moving on now to some Disney Plus news regarding Star Wars and with the Star Wars films kind of done now, it seems like Lucasfilm is really kind of gearing towards Disney plus being the center space for the Star Wars universe now between The Mandalorian, which had huge success last year. Star Wars The Clone Wars is out right now. And then, of course, you have a boatload of other shows that are coming out. Mandalorian Season 2 is coming out this at the end of this year in October. You also have a Cassian Andor series happening as well. But I think one of the bigger ones that's coming out above a Cassian Andor show is an Obi-Wan Kenobi show. That is gonna see you and McGregor reprise his the role of Obi Wan from the times of the prequel trilogy when he did Episode one through three and fill in that gap between Episode three and four and the adventures that he went on and it was there was supposed to be production that was supposed to start in August. However, there was it seemed like a, a falling out created differences between the writer H- Hossein Amani who left the project in January and it seemed like the reason for that is the scripts that Lucasfilm got. It seems like the plot was a little bit similar to the mandalorian in which with the mandalorian the mando is looking after baby yoda and is having to protect him for bounty hunters the remains of the empire and what seemed like was going to be the case with obi-wan where obi-wan is over what is overseeing luke and protecting him so that he can grow up to be the jedi that he was destined to be and it seemed like that maybe that the plots were too similar in that fashion and so they called in somebody else to write it, and it seems that writer is Joby Harold, who was one of the executive producers on John Wick 3, is coming in to write the show, and production is being moved from August of 2020 to January of 2021, which in hindsight probably works out better for them because if they probably started production in August 2020 and everything was right as rain. They probably would have been hit with COVID-19 and they wouldn't be able they would still be in halted production right now where they wouldn't be able to start everything. But I'm sure now that they can get the scripts right where they need to be, they still have Deborah Chow setting out to direct the entire show, which is gonna seem to be comprised of between six to eight episodes as initially reported. And she is I'm so excited to see what she does with this show, especially if you've watched The Mandalorian, specifically she did episodes three and seven. Were some of the best episodes to come out of Mandalorian and she emerged as something to watch out for as a director, not just for Obi-Wan, but for Star Wars in the future or whatever else she does in the future between outside of Star Wars, maybe she goes to the MCU or she does other things, but she's definitely a director to watch out for and Obi-Wan doing the entire show definitely gives her the credibility to do that. So they still have everything in place right now and everything's going back to to, it seems like, a steady pace for them, and I, I've, I've, I love the John Wick franchise, so I, I have the confidence of, of Harold, and I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy and the the showrunners and the creatives behind this are are making sure that everything is done with a fine tooth comb and that they come up with the best story possible. Because I think right now, again, like I said at the top, the way the future for Star Wars right now comes in the the case of what is going to be happening with this franchise and, and what can happen going forward for them and, and, and what needs to happen for them going in the future. So what do you guys make about this news of Obi-Wan finding a new writer? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now, moving on to some news regarding Shazam 2. Now, uh, with everything going on with COVID-19, it seems like a lot of productions are now in 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 halting in halt right now, that they can't focus it. They need to go back on principal photography. That's not allowed right now. And one of the films that could potentially be, be delayed in future films that are halted production right now could be delayed in future years, whether that be the Batman that is supposed to come out in 2021 next year because it it can't do production right now, they might have to move that release date. And the same could be said for Shazam 2, which is supposed to come out in 2022 right now, and they're still in pre-production. But the director, David S. Sandberg, has said that they're working on stuff right now, but production could be delayed if this continues to go on. And he specifically says to comicbook.com, well, we'll see how long this goes, because, I mean, we were going to start shooting this year, but, I mean, who knows how long this will go on. I mean, it feels like every movie gets delayed now, so we'll see what happens with Shazam. But so far, I've been working on the script. We can still do that, so that's being done, and then, yeah, we'll just see in a couple months how it looks, you know? Some of the time has been watching movies. We have a little bit of work that we can do remotely. We have meetings via Zoom. I've never heard of that app before this happened, and now it's all Zoom. Yeah, it's not too weird for us. We're indoors a bit more. I'm just sitting down and learning new software and doing little tests, things like that. So this doesn't seem like it's bothering David S. Sandberg right now, and I'm sure Warner Brothers is keeping an eye on it. But again, this film doesn't come out till 2022, so I'm sure that they're thinking this pr- production probably won't start until maybe October, November, maybe. So they have some time before it, those films, before it even hits that that they'll have to think about that. So. I'm sure everything will hopefully, again, be in some kind of form running by the fall time that productions can get somewhat back to resuming production and can keep going to make deadlines if they need to. But it's just one of the things that is happening right now for in terms of production. And then another story that, 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 that came out was that Stephen Williams, who was a director for Lost, The Walking Dead, Westworld, Watchmen, is set to direct a film called Don't Go in the Water. There's no details for it yet, but it's a horror film that is coming from Universal Pictures. And I'm excited to see this guy at work because he he directed episodes of Lost, The Walking Dead. But the biggest, I think, famous thing that he's done, really, or, or biggest impact that he's had was on Watchmen, which was showrunner by Damon Lindelof in his I cannot recommend it enough, especially if you're looking to watch a limited series. It's only nine episodes. If you're looking to watch something, Watchmen is something to definitely check out when you have a chance during quarantine. But he directed, I think, one of, if not the best episode of the show, and it was episode six. And it just has this incredible neo-noir feel and it deals with with race and 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 sexuality and, and prejudiceness. It's just, it is a phenomenal episode of television that I've, I haven't seen in a long, long time. And, 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 and if this guy directs something like that, then the sky's the limit for this dude, and he is one to watch out for in the future. And he directed a few episodes of Westworld, especially Season 1, Episode 4, which I thought was really, really good. But to me, if, if you want to check out a work of his, check out Watchmen in Episode 1, or Episode 6 of the show. Check it out. Because if, if this is any, any any indication of what he can do, then watch out for him in the future. Then, now moving on to some brighter news I want to end the show on. It, and I think this is really a uplifting story, especially for any young filmmakers that are working right now. That when this whole thing hit, it, it, especially when, it, when a lot of festivals were canceled, South by Southwest, Tribeca... There a lot of films that that we're going to make their premieres there, but our major films, they, they, they can pick up and, and move somewhere else where they want to. But the thing about South by Southwest and Tribeca and a lot of film festivals is it's for the it, it's for the indie filmmakers, the filmmakers that that this is really their big shot. And if they don't make this, then it's tough for them to get another shot at it. And they try to find distributions, and it, it's their chance to pick up major distributions from films that can, that can really help them expand their their product into theaters and has the manpower to do that. And with South by Southwest and Tribeca canceled, it really leaves a, a big hole for these filmmakers. However, it seems like right now, it was announced yesterday, that Amazon and South by Southwest have teamed up. And for 10 days starting sometime in late April, that hasn't been a specific release date announced, that the festival will be moved online, and all the films, major films and, and indie films that were supposed to come out during that time period will be put out for 10 days so people that do or do not have Amazon Prime accounts can watch. So you, the only thing you need to sign up for is a free Amazon account, and from then on, you can watch all these films. You don't have to pay. You don't have to have a specific Amazon Prime account itself. You, can, you just have to have a free Amazon account that you can get for free. You can log on, and you can watch these films for for as long as you need to for the 10 days that they're going to be on. So basically, they're moving the festival, the film portion of it at least, because South by Southwest is a very has a lot of different aspects to it. But for the movie pundit world, it's also one of the major festivals that has films come out. And basically, it will act as people can go on and be a part of this virtual festival that goes on. And the filmmakers that submit it will get a fee. So basically, they will get paid for putting their films into the theaters on into the into the festival and I think this is a great notoriety for festivals <clears throat> excuse me for the festivals but also for the filmmakers again I know a lot of people that 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 don't go to these film festivals they they go to smaller film festivals and they always are just trying to get their work out there and I know for for a lot of people to to aspire to be a filmmaker that like I said before this is their their shot and some people get multiple shots, but for some people, getting into a major festival like South by Southwest or Tribeca, which is doing something like this, but it's a little bit different where you have to sign up and, and you have to be part of a, a, a field to be able to watch them. But they're adding on different aspects of the festival, that like um, a virtual reality system that you can check out, but they're not doing the same thing as putting all the films online, you can check out the shorter films, but... Regardless, for, for both of these film festivals to be doing this right now and to giving those filmmakers a chance for their work to be seen, especially for South by Southwest, to p- put their stuff on Amazon for everybody to see is incredible. And and it's also about the distribution that, especially with Tribeca and South by Southwest, these films can still be picked up by studios for distribution that say if, 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 if it wins a major award, if it doesn't, and people are inspired by it and really like it and want to, buy it and put it into theaters on their slate. Then they can do that. They can put it in there if they want to. So, this is a great avenue for filmmakers. I'm I'm so proud of Amazon and and and, and really happy to see that these filmmakers get a chance to put their work out, be notarized out there and and see the reaction that people make for it. And and I think if again, you always want to find the silver linings in horrible situations like this with COVID-19. And this is one of those silver linings. When you see a festival work with a streaming service to put something special together that I can see and, and other people can see as well. So I'm excited to see that. Again, there's been no release date for this yet, but there it is surmised that around late April is when this online festival will be starting. What do you guys think about this? Are, what, what do you are would you think of doing this? Do you think this is the right move to do about putting these films online and still get picked up by, by distribution companies and be put into theaters? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section about this and leave your thoughts. And finally, guys, th- th- there's two more things that I want to talk about that aren't news-related, but I wanted to get some kind of discussion going about it. And the first thing I want to talk about is with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker having come out on digital now, I wanted to talk about the Star Wars trilogies, and, and I'm keeping the original trilogy out because if it was a debate between the three trilogies, nine, nine times out of ten, or ten, ten times out of ten, you're picking the original trilogy out of all of them, unless you really, really love the prequel or sequel trilogy. But I think the better conversation to be had is about the beginning and the end, and that is the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Which trilogy as a whole is better? Because both have been mirrored by controversy. Over the years, the prequel trilogy has gotten a lot better reception than they got in the past. And right now, the sequel trilogy is living through that criticism right now. Maybe 10 years from now, they get treated a little bit better. But so, so I wonder, what do you guys think? Because an argument can be made that as a trilogy, the prequel trilogy is a better trilogy. Because when you think about trilogies, it's about the overall narrative. That they present and really the prequel trilogy despite as discombobulated as they can be and as bad as the movies can be themselves it's about one thing it's about the transition of anakin skywalker from a boy to a jedi to the legendary dark lord of the sith or one of our or, or one of the most notoriety Siths, one of the greatest villains of all time in darth vader and with the sequel trilogy the films themselves might be better than the actual than the actual films of the prequel trilogy because you look at episode one, episode two, they could be definitely discombobulated, I think, over the years. I've come to see the screenplays for both of those films aren't good. Even the third one, I think, is a lot better and, and I think is a really good movie, but they have their problems. But overall, it's it's got a cohesive narrative to it. There's an ending in sight. Whereas with the sequel trilogy... The films might be better, but overall, what's the story? We have character stories that go on in the sequel trilogy that we see from beginning to end, but what's the overall arching narrative? Force Awakens reintroduces us to the Star Wars universe. Star Wars The Last Jedi sees, kind of, reinvents the wheel and, and turns everything on its head. And then Star Wars Rise of Skywalker kind of tries to to, to retool things and end it on some kind of narrative. And, again, I like some of the films in the sequel trilogy. Not so much The Rise of Skywalker is okay now, but I really enjoy The Last Jedi, and I love The Force Awakens. And, again, as films, I think they're a lot better than the prequel trilogy. But as a trilogy themselves, I definitely think the prequel trilogy is a better trilogy than the sequel trilogy. But it's a debate that I want to have, and I'm going to put it on Twitter that I'll have a poll out for, and I hope you guys can check it out at Samuel. And you guys can check out the poll that I put out on there and see what you guys think of it. What the better trilogy is. Do you think it's the sequel trilogy or do you think it's the prequel trilogy? And which one do you think will be remembered more fondly? Again, do you think kind of like what the prequel trilogy has gone through, that there's more love for it now than there was back in the early 2000s when they came out? Do you think the sequel trilogy in the mid to late 2020s, do you think there will be a better fondness for them then than they are than there is now for them. So it's it's a question that I want to pose to you guys and and let me know down below in the comment section what you think is a better trilogy overall and 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 go on the poll and and, and see what what let me know what you guys think of which one is better. And the final thing I want to talk about today is I've promised to do more reviews and, and and I want to start doing them and I'm going to be doing them and the first one or one of the ones I'm going to be doing is for Thunderball. I've been starting up to doing a James Bond marathon and even though No Time to Die is months and months away now. Right now, it'll be still coming out around this time period. So I'm in that mode of doing a James Bond marathon right now from Dr. No all the way to Spectre and then, of course, concluding it with No Time to Die when it comes out in November. And I have the actual hardcovers of the Ultimate Editions that I actually got when I was a kid. And I never really went through the, the special features of the films but they have incredible behind the scenes insight especially into the earlier films that came out and the one I want to talk about today is Thunderball which is the fourth overall James Bond film to come out it came out in 1965 it was directed by two-time Bond director at the time period Terence Young who directed the first two Bond films Dr. No and From Russia With Love and he came back to direct this one which would be his final film this is the fourth film for Sean Connery and to me it is one of my favorite James Bond films Ever. I really, really love this film. I love it just as much as I love Goldfinger, as much as I love Casino Royale. It's just to me it's one of my all-time favorite bonds between just the incredible locations it goes to. It really encapsulates all that we love about Bond. The the the, the exotic locations, the beautiful women, the the gadgets, and especially what Thunderball is really known for now is it's underwater sequences. And one of was one of the first films to shoot underwater and, and shot those gorgeous, beautiful, intense battle sequences. And at that time period, when, when you, when I watched this behind the scenes stuff of how this, especially with the special effects, which it won the, the, the Oscar for for best special effects at that time period, how incredible it was. And to hear some of the, the stories of how they blew up, uh, uh, the boat that really shook the Bahamas to, to Nassau to, to its core and and exploded all the windows there. And the fact that they, that they were able to do all these incredible stunts and sequences in England and on the waters in the Bahamas is incredible. And, and the fact that Goldfinger really set the standard for what we know Bond to be, and Thunderball continued that success, but brought it to new heights. It was before Live and Let Die, It was the highest grossing Bond film of that time period. James Bond in the 60s, really, that's when it hit its peak, I really think. It was one of the first times it really started hitting this peak and stride of those early Bond films that we knew from Sean Connery into Roger Moore. And over the years, it went through a a few ups and downs, but this was really starting to get to that peak level of height where the first two Bond films were good. It got notoriety, made money, but Goldfinger and Thunderball really started to bring... James Bond to the cultural phenomenon that it has become to be known as right now. And I'm, I'm watching you only live twice now and I'll have that review next week. But Thunderball to me remains another all time great Bond film. And I wanted to share with you guys. And, and, and it, the, a lot of the Bond movies, the old Bond movies now are on Amazon prime. So if you haven't checked that out already, go check out Thunderball and check out the other previous three James Bond films before Thunderball and Dr. no, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger but previously before it, and they're all on there so you can check out. They're really something to watch and, and enjoy. There, There's 4K versions of these films. I know Thunderball has a 4K version out there, and a few others as well. I don't have the other ones off the top of my head, but when I do get to them, I'll let you know which ones have 4K so you can watch it on the, on the screens that you have. But definitely check it out when you have a chance. It's one to definitely be be a part of and see why James Bond is – is what it is right now and why it remains part of the pop cultural history that it became known to be but guys that's going to be it for this edition of the San podcast thank you so much for tuning in i know this was a long one but there was a lot to cover between the release date swing changes that were made by disney and other studios and a whole lot more and I'm sure over the next few weeks, there'll be more long editions of the Sam Bessel Podcast to come, but you can also check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. And also make sure to tune in to the other shows that are on the ambiguous network. You can check out you matter Bro, the, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. You can also check out Goal Driven Professionals that's geared toward improving client relations. That's return on investment. It also has customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can also check out the brand new show that is on there. It's called the Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website ambiguousproduction.com. You can also check them out on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. Also, if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter on social media at Twitter, at B-U-S-S-E-L-L, S-A-M-U-E-L, that's and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. I'm going to have that poll for you guys to fill out later on for the weekend. What's the better Star Wars trilogy? Does it include the original trilogy, the prequel, or the sequel trilogy? I'll have that up in a little bit. But, guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.